Hey, you're listening to Continental Drift Student Spotlights, where I present you with interviews I've done with Muhlenberg students, faculty, alumni, and even people outside of the Muhlen bubble. All of this is my way of trying to collect stories about how COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter have affected the people important to me and probably important to you too. You can get more updates about my show on Instagram at continentaldrift.wmuh or you can listen to my radio show where I air these interviews live every Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on 91.7 FM, or go to wmuh.org. Again, that's every Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. But that's not why we're here. We're here for these stories. And thank you so much for listening to them. I have Olivia with me. So before we get into the real chunk of the interview. I wanted to give give a brief intro to who she is. She is just basically an angel put on this earth that I cannot believe I'm friends with. We met just like by a chance meeting. I asked her to join me on my show because she is so talented in how she juggles her different roles that she's going to talk a little bit in her interview. So Olivia, Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and anything besides what I just said that you feel like our listeners should know? Sure. And that was the sweetest intro I've ever heard. Thank you so much. (laughs) You piped me up way more than I deserve. (laughs) But I would normally say that I'm a senior at NYU, but as we're talking, I've literally just had my official commencement yesterday. Mm -hmm. So I guess I have to say that I'm an NYU grad. Wow. I have a degree now in English and creative writing. I currently work in publishing while I try to pursue my own writing career, specifically in the YA genre. And other miscellaneous little things about me, I was born and raised in New York. I've lived in three other cities, Shanghai, Madrid, and Florence. And... Yeah, I am uh, trying to figure out my future now during the strange <laughs> pandemic times. Yeah. Well, so speaking of strange pandemic times and your writing career, you wrote or, you know, drafted an entire book in the month of April. And if you want to talk a little bit about why it was in the month of April, you can go ahead. But I really want to know how you managed to do that. What was that process like? And overall, what kept you motivated? Sure. So I specifically wrote in April because that's when NaNoWriMo has a camp month. So for anyone who doesn't know, NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month, where people try to write a book, aka 50,000 words, in a single month. And while that happens in November, they also have these camps that they do, which are all virtual during April and July. I think there might be another one. I'm not sure, but that's a little more loose in terms of what your goals can be. You can just set like a goal for how many hours you want to write in the month, for how many pages you want to revise or et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't necessarily have to be drafting specifically 50 K words. And so that's why I did it in April. But as for how I'm able to accomplish so much. 
I joked to my roommate when she asked me the same question of how I'm so productive. I was like, oh, it's, you know, the crushing fear of not achieving my dreams by a certain time. Yeah. I, I also joke that it's because I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> so I, I literally, I don't know how to take a break anyway. Mm-hmm. There was, I remember one weekend when I finished my book, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a break. And then I spent that entire weekend doing work. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know how to take a break. Mm-hmm. But I also really believe that writing is not something where you just sit around and the muse eventually will call to you and you just start writing. I think you can totally get super scientific and very regimented about how you write. I really believe in like in science where you track data, you should also track your data for when you're writing. You should track how many words you write in a day. You should track at what times you're most productive and you should really get a sense for how much you're able to accomplish in a day, which really helps because if you're not meeting that amount that you're usually able to do, you're aware that, okay, I can push myself to do more. And if you are pushing past that amount you're usually able to do and hitting a wall, you can just be like, okay, you know what? Like I'm probably at capacity where I can do, I can take a break now. I also have a ton of accountability partners, as you've mentioned before, 88 Cups of Tea, a podcast that we both really love. Mm -hmm. There's a few people from that community who I just check in with every day in the morning for what our goals are and in the evening for if we've accomplished those goals. And it just helps so much Mm -hmm. to be productive if you know later in the day you're going to have to tell someone, oh, I didn't get anything done. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm going to feel so guilty Mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. And and I think it helps that in a way, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, well, is it really post-pandemic? We're still, we're still yeah. in it. <laughs> but in the middle of it, you know, we're writing online, but we're even talking to these people, yeah. our ac- accountability groups. You, like whenever I talk to you, it's always been mostly online. So that was a nice transition, at least that could stay constant. But I think Another thing I wanted to highlight was what you said about this could be very much a scientific process if you make it, that it's not us sitting around waiting for inspiration to strike, but actually showing up each day, but being mindful about what your limits are and how and when you can push yourself. Yeah, I literally have a list of exactly how many words I've written every day throughout April. So the total is 78,446. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's great because I can look through the list and see like what my peak is for writing and what is the average for writing and Mm -hmm. what days I didn't write. So I had seven days in total where I produced no words. Mm -hmm. And uh, the most words I wrote in a day was over 10K. I, yeah. So it's, it's, I think it really is so helpful for people to actually understand their process. But on top of this, you, you mentioned that you also work in publishing and you're mm-hmm. a publishing intern, right? But not really an intern. And everything you said about that job has made me fall in love with books even more. But can you tell anyone listening about what those responsibilities are and how you even pursued this in the first place? Sure. So I work at Glastown Entertainment, which is a multimedia company, but I work on the publishing side. And on that side, we do what's called book packaging, which if anyone's heard of Pretty Little Liars, Gossip Girl, The Vampire Diaries, The 100, all those shows actually originally came from a 
book packager called Alloy Entertainment. Mm -hmm. So even though book packaging isn't a term that most people know, I think when I say those names, people are like, oh yes, I know those stories. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more, it does a lot more work in the industry than people are aware of. Basically in-house, we'll come up with ideas that we hope to be really commercial and then we'll hire an outside writer to bring that story to life for us and then we sell it to a publishing company but even though the publishing company has its own editorial and marketing and publicity team we still are very hands-on with the project even after it gets sold we still do a lot of marketing ourselves we still have our own editor who's on board with the project and because we've expanded to production in LA, we also try to produce our own books for the big screen. And so we've inked a deal with Amazon. It's a first look deal. So basically anything that we produce, they have the rights to look at it first and then they can choose whether or not they want to buy it before we can show the project to more buyers. Yeah, it's it sounds like such large scale projects that you get to be involved in. And and it's kind of like, you know, the kind of projects that I would dream about or maybe a beginning writer or someone first starting out in the field would dream about. So I really want to go back to when you first found this or how you knew to even go down this route. Do you, do you get what I mean? Like, yeah, that the origin, I guess. Yeah. So Glasshound Entertainment used to be known as Paper Lantern Lit. And it's been around for 10 years or so. And it was founded by the YA author Lauren Oliver, who I was a big fan of. Yeah, her Delirium series. I was obsessed with, oh my gosh, that ending left me screaming. She's the co-founder and now she's the president of the production side. So she's out in LA. Mm -hmm. And so I've actually, because of being a fan of her work, I knew about her company for a long time. And for me, book packaging was always the most interesting part of publishing for me, Mm -hmm. because I just thought that this is where you get to actually marry all these different roles in publishing that usually get broken up into different teams. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're working on marketing, you're not going to be working on editing a book. You you won't get to see the line edits or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And also like, when a book comes to you as an editor, a lot of the story is already set in place. You're not going to usually gut it and make a whole new story out of it. Mm-hmm. So usually if you want to work on an, a book from the seed of the idea, usually I think you would have to be an agent mm-hmm. or even a writer themselves. So I always thought book packaging was interesting because you get to do everything. You get to brainstorm the idea. You get to edit it you get Mm -hmm. to help market it and so I feel so lucky to have this position because it gets me it allows me to explore all these different avenues in publishing and I definitely wanted to highlight all of that because I know me personally growing up I always felt like there were certain careers specific paths that you can go down but what you've just detailed sounds like there's so much more within each dream that you might I think you know, you were talking about the love for story and the love for working with stories. But if if I went back a few years, all I knew about storytelling and the production of all that were, you know, there's a writer, there's literary agents, and then there's that publishing company, you know, but not the details of, Mm -hmm. of that company. 
And it's really fun that we get to do production stuff too. Even though I'm on publishing, we're just such a small company that we kind of wear all these different hats. So mm. it's really been exciting for me to get to read TV treatments and film treatments that we're working on and to read samples from writers we might want to work with for screenwriting jobs. And I, I honestly am learning so much because I didn't even know what a treatment was. I mm -hmm. just knew there was a screenplay. I didn't know that there was a little explanation, you know, like a little pitch for it that comes mm -hmm. from beforehand. Would you say this has influenced your own writing at all? Oh, I just definitely. How? Because we, I get to see a book built from the ground up. And so I really see how they do that. And they will make such incredibly detailed outlines. And so that's really cool for me to just see the bones of a book before it gets written. Mm -hmm. And also, even in our brainstorming sessions, like, we don't focus on like little small stuff like, oh, what do you think the outfits people are wearing, blah, 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 like, mm -hmm. which is obviously really fun and stuff. But as we're brainstorming, there's always this focus of, okay, what's act three? What's the how are we going to break these into three different acts? Mm -hmm. What's the emotional arc of this character? What are their motivations? What's their goal? And so it just really clarifies the most important points for me in a story. Mm -hmm. And also seeing the line edits, they're really like, I work with amazing people. And so like, I think when people write books, sometimes they forget, oh, it's not just the plot. It's not mm -hmm. just you know, describing them getting from point A to point B, like, you know, you also have to remember to put all the internality of the character, mm -hmm. which I know I wasn't always the best at doing when I started out as a writer and like adding in just like sensory descriptions and a lot of texture to the writing. Yeah. 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 In my writing class from this past semester, my professor tried to really drill in how it's not just, oh, there's what you see on the page and there's what you receive from it. it it sometimes we might think there's only those two layers when approaching a book when really there's mm -hmm. also this in between that the author's kind of messing with just implicitly and you don't realize and you can only get to that after so much editing and so much you know reworking and so many people working together on this project as you've detailed and I think that this can apply, even though we've talked so specifically about publishing and writing and books, I think this level of detail can be applied to even musicians or even any other career that comes from creativity, oh, the definitely. different layers that you get from that. Yeah. I'm always so curious as to how other creatives live and work, because I think there's all these common threads of how we produce mm -hmm. stay creative. Mm -hmm. Well, so for our last minute, do you have a closing message that you'd like to share to any listener? It doesn't have to be a writer specifically, but anyone that you feel like is listening. Sure. I always think it's nice to not have a plan. <laughs> I really do believe in things working out as they're meant to in the end. And I think that sometimes having such a strict plan for yourself can really stop you from exploring other opportunities that you would never expect to come your way. Mm -hmm. I 
applied to Glasstown because it was so, it was really random how I found out about it. They tweeted about the job opening Mm -hmm. and then they took a screenshot of the tweet and they posted it to their Instagram grid. And then one of my friends reposted that onto her story. Like it wasn't, (laughs) I I knew about this company for so long and I had loved it for so long, but I just so randomly found out about there being a job. And I just think that not having a plan sometimes works out because I, I never actually plan too far in the future. I'm always like, okay, this month I want to write a book mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to write like 80K words. But then I don't try to think of like, okay, six months down the line, what's going to happen to the book 12 months down the line? Because I think that's too stressful. Too many factors are unknown. Mm-hmm. And I remember even like the summer before I was thinking, okay, like this is my last summer before I graduate, I should have an internship, a really, really impressive internship so that I can find a job. And I, instead I was just like, no, I'm just gonna move to China and just live there for like four months and just see how that goes. And I I did that and I came back from China and I was like, okay, great. Like I had a really great time, but I don't have an internship. And then, you know, guess what happened? Like the internship showed up winter break I applied to this job I got it and then the pandemic happened and I was like oh my god I'm so glad I went to China yeah what a chance because who knows when we're gonna travel again yeah yeah no I love and this is coming from the person who is so detailed with your observations about yourself you know with your words and picking mm-hmm. up that kind of data so I love that you also embrace this open framework plan but keeping track of how you're moving through this like no plan idea yeah because the way I see it not having a plan just means you have a blank slate that you can write exactly exactly no disappointments just lots of accomplishments along the way (laughs) yeah All right. Well, that wraps up our 15 minutes. Thank you so, so much much. for all of that. This was so fun. As always, thank you so much for listening to these episodes. I know this interview in particular, I really needed. It was recorded back at the end of May. And so listening to it again now at the end of July, it just, it's a huge reminder of how difficult creativity can be in a time like this and how sometimes I just feel like it's not really creative anything that I'm doing it's not really creative it's just more like productive like I'm just getting work done and it those two feelings creativity versus productivity are just two very different things to me but listening to Olivia's episode again reminded me that actually they can both exist they can both be the same thing sometimes and maybe looking at it from a productivity mindset of like this data-driven scientific regiment of writing could bring out that creative side again especially when a pandemic just really really crushes that sometimes so I'm really grateful that I had the chance to record this and like I said really grateful that you sat here with me or maybe you're driving and listening to this or whatever you're doing the point is I appreciate so much that we spent this time together and I can't wait for you to listen to the next spotlight because as I keep saying, all of these stories are so important and so meaningful to me 
And if you want more updates or, you know, want to see some graphics of the quotes from each of these interviews, then go to continentaldrift.wmuh on Instagram and share these quotes, these interviews with whoever you think might be interested because you never know. Maybe someone who doesn't go to Muhlenberg or someone who does go to Muhlenberg could really use some of these stories. So thank you again and I can't wait for you to eavesdrop on the next interview.